This is The UU Perspective with your host, Sharon Merrill. This is episode number 16 of the UU Perspective podcast, where you can hear weekly interviews from Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists that are changing the world through the stand they take on issues facing our world today, and who facilitate making a difference in the communities around them. Whether you're already a member or a seeker exploring the faith, there is something here for everyone. From personal spiritual growth to inspiration that impacts the community, you'll be opened up to the awesome possibilities. So sit back and relax and enjoy the conversations you're about to hear. My guest today is Reverend Laura Kim Joyner. She's a Unitarian Universalist minister and wildlife veterinarian, and she currently serves as a community minister in multi-species ministry and compassionate communication affiliated with the Community Unitarian Church at White Plains. She's also on the board of the UUA Animal Ministry, and in addition, she is the founder and director of One Earth Conservation and Ministry, where she works as a wildlife veterinarian and human dimension consultant in Latin American avian conservation, and mainly with the parrots there. And currently, her projects takes her into Guatemala, Belize, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Paraguay. And when she's at home, she serves as the first principal project facilitator. And we'll be getting into uh, all those different areas that she is involved in. And you'll find in the show notes the connections and links to the uh, One Earth Conservation Ministry and to be able to learn more about that and Possibly you can get involved and take a journey with her to, you know, Guatemala or Honduras and be a part of that. And also you'll be able to hear more about the entrepreneurial ministry. This is something brand new. It's only been uh, around for about two months and it's part of the uh, UU Ministers Association. They created a program that's called Beyond the Call. And it's about thinking outside the box and how to reach other people outside of the church walls. And this is about 30 uh, participants are part of this, ministers from the UU denomination, along with rabbis and also UCC ministers. So um, brand new and don't exactly know, you know, what the results and everything's going to be, but it's a special training for the ministers to really go uh, beyond what we traditionally do and serve inside of the UU churches. So let's get to it. And here is Laura Kim Joyner. All right, I've got Laura Kim Joyner here, and I've already given you guys a little overview uh, about Laura Kim, but I would like to have, uh, Laura Kim, have you go ahead and tell a little bit about yourself and what you do inside of the UU community. Uh, great. Well, yeah, hi there. I'd be happy to do that. Great to be here. The the way I usually describe, I am a Unitarian Universalist minister, and I am also a wildlife veterinarian. I was a veterinarian first. So what I do within the UU community is 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 
mixing that or integrating the the minister pastoral role with the animal piece that I've dedicated my life towards. So in specifically, I am one piece that I do is I am the UU Metro New York Right Relations Consultant. And you might say, well, what has that got to do with, with animals <laughs> or being a minister? I'm also a certified trainer in nonviolent communication. So it's really working with seeing the beauty and worth of the other and ourselves and having deep connections and relationships. So that's one work that I do. I do a lot of consulting with congregations and workshops and GA workshops, and, and that's a huge piece of what I do. And that kind of pays for most of my other work, which is the multi-species ministry. I am a community minister affiliated with the Community Unitarian Church at White Plains. And so that multi-species justice ministry works Actually, all over the world, it's work that I do with that. And the way that that concretely plays out in many ways is I am on the board of the Unitarian Universalist Animal Ministry, and we have several projects going with that. And the two that I currently work with is our Reverence for Life program and the First Principle Project, which is more than the UU Animal Ministry, but we're a leading, one of the leading sponsors of that project. And that's a long answer. Were you able to catch all that? Yes, but it all sounds very exciting. And, um, and realizing too, I, I'm actually a former vet tech, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> that Alrighty. was really nice to know that you're a wildlife veterinarian, so pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I would like to um, get into several areas here that you kind of mentioned, and you have the multi-species ministry. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, what that is, it, it in some ways it has, well, I want to say two or three arms in that. One of the arms or wings is directly working with Unitarian Universalist congregations in faith development and justice work. So that'd be the work I do on the UU Animal Ministry and with the First Principle Project, consulting with congregations, giving workshops along that line. And my ministry that that would fall under is I am the director and founder of One Earth Conservation and Ministry. And it is a group, and we're mostly volunteer at this point, but we're working on it, where we really work to nurture nature. And by nurturing nature, we also mean human nature, that in taking care of ourselves and nurturing ourselves, we can save the planet and the individual beings that live on the planet. And and so it's a holistic approach to multi-species justice. So in that piece, the, that has sort of two sub-parts of it. One is Nurture Nature workshops, my YouTube channel, my sermons, my workshops, all that would come under that. And then the practical piece, sort of the applied ministry, is I work as a wildlife veterinarian and a consultant in human dimensions of conservation in Latin America. So I try to pick areas of the world where uh, nobody's working and where it's hard and challenging, where there are marginalized communities of humans and where they're willing to make a stand to try to keep the birds and their forests or their pine savannas intact. And so I have several projects, mostly within Central America, because it's one of the hardest hit areas for conservation in Latin America. Tell us a little bit about 
um, it, within Central America, what is kind of the biggest challenge you have facing you down there when you're working on the project? The, there's the actual challenge that is to the people and the parrots. That's it's it's the biggest challenge. We that's uh, it's an area of quite a bit of corruption and oppression. We have a global market economy that's putting a great deal of pressure on that part of the world, and we have a high degree of of poverty in illiteracy, and then probably one of the hugest challenges is the drug trafficking, the the narco market that comes through that area. So with all of that going on and the extreme unequal distribution of wealth, the the people and some of the governments like Honduras, some would almost consider a failed state, and Guatemala is threatening another coup. That, that there's several unrest. So within that socio-political economic environment, it's really hard to know what is even possible to stand in solidarity with the people, let alone people trying to protect their resources. When you've got armed narcos patrolling our areas, such as in Honduras, and we can't even get into some of the areas in Guatemala and Honduras where the birds are suffering the most because it's it's just too dangerous to get in. Mm. Well, what are you, um, let's say first, what are you doing with the with the birds? The, they're conservation programs, and so it depends on the area and what the people need and what the resources are. The the, one of the pieces, I do a lot of training and capacity building. I teach at universities and in the field. So as a veterinarian, I can teach something that's called conservation medicine. And it's basically how to evaluate a wild flock. And I work with just parrots. And that's P-A-R-R-O-T-S. And so how can you evaluate a flock for its health? And that involves everything from doing checks on the nest, doing long-distance checks on the adults with photography, and also counting the birds and finding out where they live and whether they're reproducing. So I go down and actually do all that and tromps around in the outdoors and also do a lot of teaching on that. And so when you're involving the the people there with that, so that's more of the training and um, kind of on the UU side of it, what What's kind of the goal there? The the goal is a a world where the many species can flourish in communities of justice and peace. And so that's that's the goal, right? Is the is the beloved community. And I just happen to do it a great deal in Central America. So on the, the UU sense, it's it would be any justice ministry like that you know how do we go and deal with the homeless how do we stand in solidarity how do we partner with individuals that how do we witness to what is going on and and so that is the work that that I do is you know how do I stand in solidarity how do I work and witness how do I maybe do actual charity work such as supplying jobs and training so people can be trained as conservationists so it's to witness to the beauty of the world and see how I can partner with people to reduce harm and increase the chance for greater flourishing of the species and as a wildlife veterinarian my way into human communities flourishing is to help them with their wild animals Perfect. Okay. And now you said said back here that you uh, 
do workshops and that type of thing mm-hmm. with um now is that with the multi-species ministry or the uh, now the entrepreneurial ministry are those two separate things <laughs> i know it's it's, it's uh, it is it is so the uu ministers association worked to begin a program called beyond the call to train a small group it's about 30 of us of UU ministers and rabbis and from the United Church of Christ and a two-year program to become better at entrepreneurial ministry, which is thinking outside of the box and beyond the parish walls. How can we reach out to the many in UU ministry that may not look like typical congregations? And so there are many people doing all kinds of things in that. And so I was accepted in that program, which pretty much just started a few months ago. And my particular project within that that they're helping me work with and to grow is my organization one earth conservation and ministry where i work with the multi-species ministry and we have several projects underneath that okay so you're just beginning inside of the entrepreneurial ministry right it's a it's a huge experiment to see although i've been doing entrepreneurial ministry for 10 years and i have had this organization and i've been working outside of known boundaries for for quite a while but this is where i get to do it with other uus and have support and training and accountability so i'm very excited yeah, what's uh, the, about that what's the overall goal with that the entrepreneurial ministry i have, i i'm going to say this and of course if you ask uh, Donald Sutherland, the executive director of the UU Minister Association, or uh, many people within the UUA that helped sponsor this, such as Peter Morales, you know, coming through the UUA. I don't, I'm not quite sure what they'd say. I would encourage you to go ask them. But my sense is, is this, that there is a huge population of people that will never come into our congregational uh, doors and be part of a congregational life as a way for us to serve the world. And so how can we take Unitarian Universalism out into the world to serve the many in our various communities? Because we have a great salvific message and it's 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 wonderful and beautiful. And our congregations are struggling. The new congregate the old congregational models across denominations are falling away. And so it's to train us to fail quickly on our feet and do adaptive management so we can see how we can make ministry sustainable and far-reaching and impactful in the current setting of church work within uh, the world. Are you able to follow that? Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of getting that, you know, we can make an impact on people that not necessarily are going to become UUs, but how do we reach out and make a greater impact on on those people? And how do we make it sustainable? How do we take Unitarian Universalism and our message and our way of life, how is it sustainable in ways that don't look like traditional congregational life? Right, so that's the part of thinking outside the box. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. That sounds really exciting. (laughs) It it is it is and I don't, honestly I don't have a clue how we make it sustainable. I mean that's they they do financial consulting, we do business plans, and I've been getting a lot of help 
it, it's basically like starting another nonprofit. How do you make nonprofits sustainable? How do you make it a business? And and so it's this this new way of how do we do community service that pays for itself when we may not have a congregational base to do that out of. And we don't know. We don't know what that looks like. We'll have to ask people 100 years from now. Yeah. Well, that's, it'll be exciting to see how it all develops then. Mm-hmm. Wow. Great. And you said there's about 30 of you? There is. And I'm, I probably should be more specific. It's maybe like 28, somewhere around there. All right. Well, um, can you give us uh, a little inside info on the First Principle Project and how that came about and what is it about? And what is that about? Yes, I'd I'd be really excited to do that. Um, as I told you, I've been involved and been on the board and past president of the Unitarian Universalist Animal Ministry. And as part of that role, watching over the years and also doing multi-species ministry, watching sort of the, the mood and the various ways that UU animal ministry chapters work in the world, what's going on in the denomination and the greater world, because it's a new paradigm. You know, how do we take care of the many individuals of various species and humans at the same time? And so we, it's new. We don't quite know how to do it or think about it. So anyway, over the last several years, people kept coming up to us like at General Assembly and saying, why doesn't the first principle say the inherent worth and dignity of every being or something similar like that? Why is it only humans? Isn't it time we change that? And so several of us within the denomination thought about that and said, well, maybe now's the time to really go deeper into reflection on that question. And what's one way that we can engage in this paradigm, this this deeply spiritual and relational question of how to take care of the many in a multi-species world, was, well, let's start something called the First Principle Project, where we seek to engage Unitarian Universalists in that question. What does it mean to be human in a multi-species world, and what is our response to it? And one way to engage people and deepen our faith and our positive impact in the world is to say, well, let's go ahead and try and change our first principle. And it's sort of a, a circular route here. We, we seek to change it, so we engage people. And then if we do actually succeed in changing it, then it engages people and we grow into it. And so we picked the first principle. There are several other principles that we could come at this through how to deal with a multi-species world. But we are working with the first principle. And that project is now about two years old. And we have websites and information and workshops and it's, you know, it's all there online and people can go and get it. And, and for the particular piece about, well, how are you doing on changing the principle? Where are you in that piece? And it takes, by the bylaws, 15 congregations to pass a resolution calling for a change of the UUA bylaws, because it's a bylaw change to change the principles. It takes 15 congregations or one district to submit that they have voted for a change within their congregation for it to come to the General Assembly floor, where all the delegates get to vote on that. So we are right now, we have six sponsoring congregations out of 15, and we have four sponsoring organizations. So that's where we are in the realm of that. And a really important piece that to, to know about this project is because it's a C bylaw change, 
the very first vote that comes up at General Assembly once we get our 15, and we will get our 15, it may take another year, but but that will happen, is the question, the first vote by simple majority is, shall it be referred to a study commission for two years? And I interviewed Jim Key, the UUA moderator, about this and said, you know, how's our strategy? And he says, basically what you're voting for on the General Assembly is, is in his words, where is this issue worthy of debate? And, and we rephrase it, is it worthy of discussion, study, and reflection? So as a congregation you can, or district, you can pass this, and you may not agree with the exact wordings or the exact principle that may or may not be changed, because the study commission will come back with recommendations after two years. But what you're saying is this is worthy of a two-year process for we Unitarian Universalists to engage in the study and reflection and challenge. So it's any 15, like it doesn't matter the size of the congregation, they can say that they would like to have it changed? Yes, that's right. It doesn't matter the size. And each congregation's bylaws are different. So in some congregation, it calls for a congregational meeting. Uh, Some the board can pass it. Again, every congregation has to work within their own bylaws and what's good for them. What is the process that is best for them? And so we, the First Principle Project, provides all kinds of materials for engaging in the question. And if they want to engage in trying to pass a resolution within their congregation, we provide materials and coaching for that as well. Oh, okay. So we're probably not going to see it for GA that's coming up, huh? <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. And we'll and we're, we're aiming for 2016, but it might be 2017. All right. Well, so we'll put it out there maybe, and hopefully this uh, podcast will help move that along a little bit. So that would be, that would be, that would be terrific. And it's not an easy conversation. When I first got, became a Unitarian Universalist uh, years ago, you're coming kind of out of an active veterinarian career is I noticed that the hardest subject that seemed to talk about for people to talk about was the multi-species piece. We just didn't have the tools or the science and ideology and it's threatening and it's difficult and it's a new paradigm. And so I don't want to gloss over that this is a very hard conversation to have, or it can be, even within, I'll say, the animal advocate groups within our congregation. Even amongst us, we come out differently because it questions everything we were raised with about how we make decisions on who gets harmed and who doesn't harm. So we're looking at a paradigm shifting and deep religious and spiritual questions. And to me, that's what makes it exciting because it's really good work. And the idea is not to say that one species we will take care of better than another species. It is not to diminish the oppression and harm of our own marginalized communities or to diminish the incredible work we still need to do with our own kind and with racism and to gain our own multicultural tools. It's not to say that. It's to say that there are interlocking systems of oppression that are hurting all life on this planet. And it's that that we want to look at. So how can we make life better for humans and other species together 
It is not to say that little puppies merit more than black lives. It's to say that all lives have worth. And by asking that question, how can we live deeper and more fully for all? Yeah. What do you think, uh, how's it been getting the word out? I mean, is it hard to get people to be aware of it and congregations to be aware of it? Well, sure. It's like anything else. <laughs> you know, they say you have to say it seven different ways to, to get the get the word out. And so, yes, you know, we get on the listservs and we have Facebook and we have websites and we're at General Assembly every year. And, and of course, people go, well, I never heard of it. I never heard of it. The word is getting out. And uh, we're going to do a big push this year in Portland at General Assembly because one of the congregations that passed it was the Portland congregation. And and so they're really helping um, out the movement there. And so we will be making a big push there. And again, it's it's hard to gather people's attention when there are so many worthy causes out there um but i i think we're making progress and you finding us for is one of those about okay what's going on and how might we look at that well great okay so uh when did you become a uu you're not a lifelong uu right i am not i was raised methodist baptist in the south aha so when did you discover uuism i my very first experience with Unitarian Universalism was when I was a professor in veterinary medicine at North Carolina State University College of Veterinary Medicine. And one of the professors there was having a celebration of union because they didn't allow same-sex marriage in those days. And it was at a UU congregation. And I said, oh, okay. And, and, and so I noticed that. And then I went to divinity school at Vanderbilt because I wanted the tools of the human heart so I could return with those tools for my multi-species work in Central America. And so I chose Divinity School as a route to learn that language of the heart and of justice. And I knew I needed a faith community. I could not do that work in Central America uh, alone. I, I needed support and growth. And so I went looking for a faith group that would fit with me. And I... so. As the story goes, people say anyone after talking to me about five minutes would say, well, what are you doing in that congregation? You should check out the UUs. And so I seriously courted them when I was at Divinity School and found my home and actually signed the book at the First Unitarian Church of Nashville on National Bird Day in 2000. And that's, and that's when I became uh, a first-time member, although I had been doing internships at that congregation for the two years previously. Wow, well, that's a nice story. I like that. <laughs> and um, well, did you in Central America? Are there uh, UU churches that you attend down there? Uh, we are not in Central America. Uh, we we're not there. We don't we don't have that. There is some in Mexico. There's several in Cuba. There's one in in Puerto Rico. And that's and they're usually expatriates, but not always. And those are the congregations that exist. So my my work is within the greater community. That's yes, I'm a community minister. And so my work, although I'm connected with UU congregations here, and UUs will go with me and support and are a huge part of my volunteers on One Earth Conservation. The work that I do there is how do we speak about this in broad human-centered, 
earth-centered terms that cross the boundaries of denominations and religion. Mm, okay. Who has inspired you during your journey as a yo-yo? Well, I would be fudging if I said that it was more a human than a non-human. My inspiration, the my calling to this work comes from my relationships and experiences in, I'll say in nature, but in my relationships with humans and non-humans as well, especially birds. I've been, I've been, wanted to be a bird veterinarian since I was four years old. So my inspiration comes from the beauty and the worth of the many species around me. Nice. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite quote that inspires you that you can tell us? I do. And and then I'll kind of fudge on your last question saying, well, who inspires you? It's sort of within the UU world is Mary Oliver, the poet. I have done a spiritual practice of going through all her poems and blogging on it and reflecting on it. And so that's a huge inspiration for me and grounding. And so the quote that I have is from the end of one of her poems, which is actually in our hymnal. And it's called Wild Geese. And it's the very, the very ending where she says, no matter who you are, no matter how lonely you are, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, announcing over and over again your place in the family of things. Nice. Yes, I have heard that one. (laughs) Yes, we've all heard it a hundred times. And so that inspires me because it's, by being welcome and interconnected to life on this planet, I believe we heal ourselves. And in healing ourselves, we are a greater resource for the many others and for Earth as a whole. Okay, and now the last question I have is, how is Unitarian Universalism as a religious denomination uniquely positioned to serve and impact society? There's the word unique. And I think there are several organizations or groups or movements that are doing this. But here's my rah-rah for the UU piece. Is that we have a history of questioning how it is that humans organize themselves from the very beginning. It's not the priest that decides. It's, it's not the parish council that decides. It is the individual relationship with God or with the whole, or with the spirit of life. And so we question that somebody else's ego or economic concerns and power privilege can dictate how others should live and how they should flourish. So we have a strong history of questioning that. And the world is shifting and growing into new ways of organizing human life. And that's life based on the individual well-being and on community well-being. How can we do businesses in congregational life where the human spirit matters? And this is in business now. It's taught more in businesses than it is in our congregations. And we are a wonderful laboratory for this new model of community organizations where we live not for ourselves, but for the betterment of all life together. And we are 
position not only because we're a lab for that, which is what other organizations and congregations have in common with us, but we have a long history of being based, I'll say, on reality and on science and using those as tools and not just doing knee-jerk ideology to govern the way we come together. So it's our our science reality based questioning and using those tools to organize us in a way based on heart and spirit for the greater good. All right. Thank you. That was great. Okay. Well, Laura Kim, I thank you for being with us and uh, letting us know about the First Principle Project and just the multi-species ministry, the entrepreneurial ministry, everything you're involved in. And it just uh, puts a new light out there on what's going on. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. All right. So thanks again to Laura Kim for being with us. And if you want to get more information on the First Principle Project or the Conservation Way or One Earth Conservation, um, check out the show notes and there'll be links there. There's also a link to a YouTube video for the Conservationist's Way, which was uh, very interesting. Uh, Be sure to take uh, a look at that to get more inside info about the conservation efforts with the parrots. And also, if you would like to uh, get a hold of Laura Kim, you can contact her at A-M-O-L-O-R-O-S-A-M-O-L-O-R-O-S at gmail.com. Again, and that will be in the show notes. So I want to, again, thank everyone who is listening we keep bumping up to more countries and continents. Um, we're up to five continents along with 14 countries. And I would also like to personally thank those great Twitter followers out there that are spreading the word, especially to Adam Gunnerman and M. Morel Esseminger and the UUA and Distorted View and Henry Nothaft Jr., The Inquirer, Kenneth Hitchner, Mike Street, Joseph McGregory, and there's many more. So um, again, I appreciate it. Keep sending the word out about the podcast, and I'll certainly give you a shout out in the future. Please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Leave us a review. That's also very helpful. We got a few up there, but uh, it'd be great to have a few more. So I would love it if you would just go there and take just a quick moment to give a quick review. And so until next time, enjoy what's going on out there in the world and be sure to be involved and enjoy life at its best. Talk to you later. (music) 